Beautiful souls, do you have a prayer request or want us to send you healing energy today? Would you like us to be praying for your friend or loved one? If this is you, go to worldslargestprayernetwork.com to submit your prayer request. And while you're there, please sign up to join our team of prayer warriors. The angels say prayer not only opens you to miracles, raises your vibration, and helps you heal, but the more you pray, the more God's presence is felt on earth. Feel your angels' love as they surround you right now, and listen for the positive, loving messages your angels intended specifically for you in today's episode. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis, and today we have a very special guest, Dr. Amy Robbins. You probably know her from the other podcast, Life, Death, and the Space Between, that she hosts. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Julie. So excited to talk to you. We were talking before about how many I was telling you how many times your name has come up for me to have on my show, which will be happening. Yay. I'm so excited about that. And so you really started your podcast too. I mean, we have so many similarities between us. You started your podcast because you lost somebody special as well. And tell us a little bit about that and kind of what prompted you to start your show. Sure. So it's been, it was a long journey, probably a 20 year journey to get to, obviously podcasting wasn't around 20 years ago, but Mm -hmm. when I was 18 years old, I lost my aunt. She had juvenile onset, she had juvenile diabetes, um, had struggled much of her life with the illness and was waiting for a kidney and pancreas transplant. And as she was waiting for the transplant, one of the the steps that was required was that they needed to do a full physical to make sure that if she got the transplant, she would be strong enough to withstand it. What they found out was that her heart, she had had several heart attacks that no one even knew about. So they went in to repair her heart and she, they couldn't bring her back. She died on the table. Um, She was 40. I always get this in my mind. She was 48 years old. She might've been 47. She might've been 49, but around, around that, that age. And you know, this was the, I was 18 years old at the time. This was really the first, what I call like out of order loss for me, you know, a loss that came not in how we expect losses to come, right? We expect that when our grandparents get older, they die, but not someone in their forties with two young kids. And it was really, it was really traumatizing for me. I was in college at the time. I came home very quickly. We're Jewish. We observed Shiva. And then I went right back and didn't really have time to grieve. And so I went through a grief process. You know, I went in, I went to therapy, kind of not realizing that a lot of the anxiety that I had been experiencing was connected to my grief. And over a span of time, ended up going back to grad school to, to pursue clinical psychology. Shortly before my cousin's wedding, her son, I had this experience where I now know it's a visit. Some people would call it a dream. It was not a dream. It was very, very different from a dream. And my aunt came to me and she said to me very clearly, she showed me a picture of my uh, mom standing at our kitchen sink in the house I grew up in. And she said to me, tell your mom, it's okay. Tell her I will be at the wedding. She doesn't need to be upset. 
And then she showed me a picture of her brother, my uncle, and said, tell him, tell Richie, I hear him when he's talking to me, when he's out either pushing the stroller or out running. They had a young, young child at this time. So I woke up and I turned to my husband and I said, uh, Aunt Linda was just here. He was a little bit freaked out and he was like, what are you talking about? And the dog started barking. Like the minute that I kind of woke up the dog and felt, saw my aunt sort of start to leave. And and I, I remember feeling like, no, don't go. Like, I want more time with you. And my aunt kind of faded away. The dog's barking. I wake up, turn to my husband. I say, Linda was just here. He's like, what are you talking about? Maybe you've lost your mind. And I call my mom as, you know, as soon as I can. And I said, mom, I just had this, it, it didn't feel like a dream. Mm-hmm. It felt different. But Aunt Linda came to me and she said, you don't need to be, you were, she said, I said, she was standing at the kitchen. You were standing at the kitchen sink. She said, you don't need to be sad. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at the wedding. And my mom said to me, I was standing at the kitchen sink last night crying how she, I can't believe she's not going to be at the wedding. And then I called my uncle, who is an orthopedic surgeon, so definitely not of the spiritual mindset, very scientific. And I told him what I saw. And he said, that's when I talk to her. I talk to her when I'm out running or walking. And I said, well, she hears you. And then it had dawned on me that I had actually had a visit years before as well, shortly after she passed, where she came to me. She was wearing a red sweater. She was on a golf course, which has meaning. Um, And she said, I'm healthy. Look at me. Look at how healthy I am. And when she was sick, you know, her coloring was always really off because of her because of the diabetes. And she just always looked frail and and sickly to me. And in this visit, in the first visit, she wasn't. But at that time, I didn't know it was a visit. I didn't know what it was. Uh, And so I had gone that, that morning to school and I had spoken to a professor of mine who was into indigenous cultures and indigenous healing, but also really grounded in traditional psychotherapy. And I said, this is what happened. And she said, I think you're opening up to something. Mm. I think you need to pursue this. So this is a teacher at a school for psychologists, right? I mean, I'm getting my doctorate in clinical psych. And I'm like, if she's telling me, maybe there's more. But I didn't really pursue it at the time. I was busy going through grad school and Fast forward to about six or seven years later when my grandfather dies and it happens again. Another wedding, my other cousin on the other side, same thing, comes through with a message, shares information I wouldn't have known, a nickname. And then I was like, okay, so apparently when loved ones die, people come through. And then then it started happening with patients. How so with patients? Because what people might not know is that you are a psychotherapist now. You do see clients. Actually, we're not far apart from each other. You're in the city of Chicago. I'm in the Chicagoland suburbs. So so what does that look like? And, and also, can you explain what's the difference between a regular therapist and a psychotherapist? Can you let everybody know that? <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think people call themselves all different types of names. What I really think about is what what's the degree. So, I mean, therapist, psychotherapist, frankly, I don't even know they're interchangeable. 
you know, I have a doctorate in clinical psychology. Some people have a uh, master's. Usually it's like a counselor versus a therapist. Okay. Um, but you can't, you can only be a psychologist if you've gone through and gotten that training. Got it. Like the doctorate level training. Um, you can be a, a professional counsel counselor mm-hmm. with less training. You could be a master's level therapist with less training, but a clinical psychologist means that you went on for my, my education was five years post undergrad okay, and a year of licensing. Got it. Got it. So yeah, I think these terms have gotten really confusing because people just <laughs> kind of call them psychotherapist, therapist, you know, counselor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, and it's confusing too of like, okay, well then who do I go see? Or, you know, like who do I talk to about what? And uh, a psychologist or or who's the type that you can actually go see? Um, the name is on the tip of the, the tongue um, that you can go see for medication. Psychiatrists. Psychiatrists. So yeah. psychiatrists go through, I'll do a quick breakdown for you. Yeah. Will that be helpful? Yeah. Okay. Totally. Psychiatrists go through medical school, totally okay. different training. Usually they are not clinically trained to do therapy, although some psychiatrists will do some sort of therapeutic training. Yep. Not always. So you want to know that okay. if you're going to see a psychiatrist, but typically they can just prescribe meds. Got it. Clinical psychologists have, I have, I have a PsyD or a PhD, either of those after your name are, my doctorate is a clinical doctorate versus a research doctorate. A PhD is a research doctorate. So my training was mostly clinically based. So I did many uh, practicums with like doing therapy and testing and more therapy and more therapy and more therapy. And then I had 2000 hours postgraduate school where I had to be supervised under the, under a licensed clinical psychologist. 2000 hours. 2000 hours. Wow. Yes. And then I could sit for my license and then I could practice. And then you have LPCs, licensed professional counselors, LCPC, licensed clinical professional counselors who then have their clinical hours. So they also have to, I don't know what their licensing requirement is, but if they have LCPC, Licensed Clinical Professional Counselor, they've also had that extra supervision to be able to have that clinical piece. Um, An LPC is a Licensed Professional Counselor. Okay. You have MFTs, Marriage and Family Therapists. So their training is in family therapy. You have... CADCs, I think I'm saying this right, certified addiction drug counselors. Mm-hmm. You have MSWs, which are master social worker, or an LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker. So they have those hours too. So this has always been a question I've had. What's the technical difference between a social worker and a counselor? It's really your training. So social workers traditionally have been traditionally are trained. Again, it depends on which program you go through. We're trained to do more sort of case management work. You know, it it comes out of like Jane Addams, like the real kind of grassroots adoption, foster care, schools, like that type of training where you're really in there just helping people get their basic needs met. 
And so it doesn't necessarily have the therapy component to it. Now it's totally different. You know, a lot of the schools, particularly in the Chicagoland area, you know, some are policy-based, so they're focused more on the policy of social work. Um, Some are admin-based, some are clinically based. I think Loyola has a really strong clinical program. So if you wanted to practice therapy, you would go there. So there's social work is, I think, a broader sort of has a broader bandwidth. Absolutely. So so let's take this back over to your sessions, because this is something that I have been hearing a ton of by over two dozen people that I've talked to who are therapists or counselors. They say because a lot of them will come through my angel Reiki school where they're wanting to they're in their therapy sessions, they're in their counseling sessions. And they're like, Julie, I feel like I'm channeling all day, but I want to hone in on my skills. I want to hone in my craft so that I can really um, bring through spirits messages as well in my sessions. And they talk about how just how much they're channeling all the time. Did you find that like this bridge of as you're working with people, now your spiritual gifts are starting to come through and you're starting to really have questions that spirit's asking you to talk about or you're go because this is what happens in sessions for me. I don't know exactly where they're going with a message when they start it, but they keep telling me the question to ask or picking, you know, showing and leading and guiding the way on one direction. And it ends up coming to this most beautiful message from the other side. How does that work for you when you're in a session? I think for me, it's much more, you know, it's hard for me to really separate what feels like it's coming from outside of me versus what feels like it's coming from inside of me in the training. Although sometimes I feel like my patients will say something like, how did you know to ask that question? Or, you know, how did you think about that? as you know, what I needed to hear today. And that's where I think I'm being maybe more divinely guided than just the years of experience that I've had doing this work. And so it doesn't, I, sometimes I wish it felt more separate to me. Like I wish I was hearing, uh, and I've worked with, I have a friend who who has really helped me understand that for me, I think it's very, it's clear, clear cognizant. Like I just know intuitively, like this is what to say. This is what they need when I'm leading with the heart, but also using the theoretical frameworks that I have to help guide me. Friend, do you ever wonder if you're in the right career? Do you find yourself thinking there's got to be more to life than this? Do you want to know why God, Universe, Source called your soul here now? Find out who you really are. I'm teaching a brand new course with all new content to help you find your purpose in 30 days. Class begins October 1st or watch the replay at any time. Find the clarity, direction, fulfillment you've been searching for. The class is called Find Your Purpose in 30 Days. For early bird pricing, use the coupon code EARLYBIRDPURPOSE. Sign up today at theangelmedium.com. Also, the winner of this month's free reading with me is in the show notes. 
leave a five-star positive review of my podcast or book, and you could be next month's winner. So it's so validating doing a podcast, hosting a podcast, having on these guests who are wildly fascinating healers themselves, um, because I think spirit is bringing through the same message to so many healers across the board. But when you hear dozens of people who are doing this work say it over and over again, you start to feel this very concrete foundation solidify within you. You get this, I know, like, I know, like, I know, mm -hmm. right? Just like confidence within you because you're like validated over and over with these different guests. Do you find that with your podcast as well? Yeah. And I think I've learned so much from interviewing yeah. So many different people. And particularly for me, trying to find a lot of people who are science-based because that's sort of the, uh, that's where I come from is a very traditional kind of science-based modality of thinking. And so I really have wanted my podcast to also be similar to how I think. And, and hearing, you know, similar to you who does the, your angel stories, I do ghost stories where people write in about their experiences. And it's amazing to hear how many people, and I think, you know, we keep hearing like the veil is thinning, people are becoming, many people are becoming more conscious, but I also think there's a lot of people that are becoming less conscious, but, but the people who are becoming more conscious, it feels like there's just this huge push of that. And that's been, that's just been amazing. And I think just to my, when I started the podcast, you know, my goal was to bring this to more people, for more people to be able to get in touch with their loved ones, to be able to open themselves up, to be able to have these miraculous experiences that make the world so much more fun yeah. to live in. Oh, so much more beautiful. Yes. When it comes to the science piece, I think this is one of the reasons you and I were talking a bit before I was telling you about how I'm bringing together different healers for different reasons. I think that we need to be doing more of this, but then they just flickered and showed me a vision. I think that we need to work on together. I want a sheet, like a one or two page sheet that we can put together that has, okay, this has been documented scientifically. This has been documented scientifically. Like um, Dr. Julia Mossbridge did all of this scientific research on how you really do, because I wrote my book and it's in three parts, oneness and then angel communication. And I did that because I was just channeling their messages the entire time, but spirit always says you can't make the connection with the other side and bring through messages without this energy of oneness, which she calls unconditional love. And so she said, no, but that's scientifically backed up, you know, like that you can't make that connection with that with the other side without raising the vibration, which is why people talk about getting into high vibe. Mm -hmm. If we had a sheet, and I think you and I come together because I love so much of the science, but I don't ha have the science background. Right. We could put together like a one or two page doc on this is like a scientific study and here's another one and here's another one. I think that would be really cool. So that was just kind of like a side note, but um, we could keep that in the podcast so that other people know that that'll be coming. I want to know about your favorite angel stories. So you had so many people on the show tell you, you call them ghost stories, tell their stories of experience. 
Mm. What are some of the ones that just like blow you away? Oh gosh. My friend wrote the most beautiful story about her dog. Actually, first of all, she's a writer. She's coming out with a book, but her story about this dog who not only was like a spiritual creature in death, but also in life and the deep connection that she had with him was just remarkable. And I think that we often think that spirit is only coming from the other side, but we are all spirit, right? We're just spirit in a body. And sometimes there's just those human beings or animal beings that, that feel like they are not, uh, not earthly. Right. And that to me is always incredible when we have those connections that just feel known and familiar, even though she didn't know her dog before in this life that we know of. Right. And so, and then, and then there was also one about this woman who saw this like aberration of white when she was, I think it was her child's in her child's room. And then she was like on a cruise ship. I don't know if I'm remembering it specific, exactly correctly, but, and then she was on the cruise ship and also saw this same aberration of this woman in a white gown. And I, it's just, it's just amazing to me when people are open, what they start to see and experience Mm -hmm. and they don't write it off as like, that's just my imagination or I'm making this up. It's just so profound. The other profound thing is, do you notice it in like 90% of your folks, 80% of your folks, you know, if you had to put a percentage on it, how much does this experience change a life? Oh my gosh. It's gotta be 90 to 95%. And that's also why I'm, I feel really strongly about encouraging people to develop this, because I think it's one thing when you go to a medium, which is extremely powerful. I think mediumship, when done correctly with someone who is very good and qualified and Forever Family Foundation certifies mediums, the Wimbridge Institute certifies mediums, there are real places that, that certify mediums, or you can just find a really good one. But I think that oftentimes kind of as the experience fades, more doubt creeps in. Maybe they knew this from, maybe I told them more than I should have, you know? And so we start to doubt that when we have the experience ourselves, and this is me included. If I went to a medium, sometimes I'm a big skeptic. I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. Of course, my grandma loves me, right? Like she loved me. But when, when you can, experience it yourself, when you can make those connections on your own, then it becomes an undeniable truth. Mm -hmm. And, and your reality is your reality. Yes. You know, as we were talking about research, there's a group doing research out of Yale called the COPE project. Um, I forget what it stands for. Something, something perceptual experiences. Uh, And what they're doing is they're actually researching people who have these spiritual experiences versus schizophrenia and seeing kind of where the difference lies. Oh my goodness. It's really amazing. Have you talked to anybody over there about this yet? 
Yeah, I interviewed them. It's a psychiatrist and a, and a medium. That's who's working together. So what have they found so far? Uh, that's a good question. I believe it's still the beginning. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. I mean, I think it has to do with how, what we call is ego dystonic or ego syntonic, how comfortable you are with those messages, right? If they're disturbing to you, if they're agitating to you, you know, that's usually ego dystonic. It doesn't, it doesn't align with kind of who you are and what you're feeling. But I think, you know, the question is, is this a spectrum, right? Like is, is psychosis and psychotic disorders more on a spectrum than we once thought? And is someone who's connecting with spirits, angels, loved ones, they're open to it, but they're able to mitigate it differently. They learned how to do that. They knew when spirits were talking to them that they were there for good, or they felt love versus the devil's telling me to do something or, yeah. you know. And I think like the terminology plays a huge role in people's openness or closeness to it. The people's ability to, yeah, open or close because even mental illness doesn't resonate with me. I love Dr. Amen who says that we have to like change, you know, that terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, grouping people. So you're not saying like grouping in medium and mediumship on the lines of like psychosis though, right? No, 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 not at all. No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, I'm just saying, you know, I sort of feel like perhaps in, in the world of psychology is that everything is sort of on a spectrum, right? They've moved like autism spectrum disorders to more on a spectrum, right? So like, are there people who have these experiences that previously we would have considered psychosis that are really just an opening up and awakening of some sort? And so, and so where do they fall on that spectrum? So then go into that too. You mentioned two type of egoic, egoic something and egoic. Oh, ego syntonic and ego dystonic. Okay. So what do both of those mean? So ego syntonic means like it doesn't, it feels like in line with. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't cause distress. Got it. And then what's the other one? Ego dystonic. It's distressing. It's yeah. distressing, right? It's not, it's not aligned. Okay, so you're giving me scientific terminology to something that I've been talking about for the last year. (laughs) Um, So I always tell my folks only loving positive messages. Anything that comes that's not a loving positive message, that's a negative message, has to be from your egoic mind. And the reasoning behind this, too, is... There's a lot of folks who like if you watch Gaia TV, they'll talk about lizards and how Adam and Eve were really descended from lizards. And you could really go into this work and go into aliens and UFOs. I don't go there on purpose because Mm -hmm. it brings a lot of people to this egoic distance. Uh, dystonic space within themselves, where then they become at dis-ease, they become uncomfortable, they start to actually feel like this energy. When I say ghosty, I used to get really scared of ghosts Mm. as a young person because I felt so much presence. 
and it makes me feel really uncomfortable. So it takes me to a negative space. I don't want that with any of my folks. I want them to stay in that egoic centonic space where it's all like in alignment and flow in, in, you know, no stress whatsoever, yummy vibrations. Because um, there was one gentleman and you can find like example after example after example, but I believe we all have to be careful with this because that one person is going to take it to this egoic dystonic place attached to it. And that's when it becomes a really, it could become a really big problem. There was a gentleman in California who ended up killing his children because he thought that they were lizard people, um, descendant of lizards. And he thought his wife was too. That is just, I know, an extreme example. Yeah, that would be probably mental illness, right? But Or psychosis, right? Like he... He and this is why I think it's so important to be grounded and to have a sense of, okay, what is reality and what isn't reality? Is that groundedness or is that realism? How would you separate the two? Um, I feel like groundedness to me is more of like a spiritual essence Mm. of perspective where I feel like rooted into my own truth, but realism, I feel like is more a truth of the collective, like, um, with realism, I'm really more focused on what's the benefit of the good for all. Whereas with groundedness, I'm focused in, on what's the best for my soul self. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So for this I mean, I I guess the the question is like, there are plenty of people that would say that what we're talking about here isn't real. Yeah. Right? Sure. Like I've heard a a lot of folks from the scientific community come over and they'll say, you know, we get together as scientists in these big lecture halls with hundreds of scientists. And if I was to talk about any of this, I'd be laughed out of the room. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So what, how I think of it is like, do you have a sense of what your beliefs are and are you able to still function in your everyday life? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, you know, can you do whatever it is you need to do? If it's get up and go to work and, and deal with your kids or whatever, can you function in, in society in some way? That's amazing. And that's kind of how I think of it. You know, if if it is so, look, there are days I'm like, I wish I could just be connected to spirit all day. (laughs) Like it feels like a much happier, more peaceful way to be. When I'm in a meditation and I am gone, like don't come back. I don't want to come back, Mm -hmm. but I have to. Right. And I think that if we get too far away from that, that's when it becomes problematic because we're still here to be human beings, having a human experience in a human body. There's reasons we incarnated. We chose to incarnate into a body and we have to live that as well. And spirituality is a piece of that that can enhance the experience. But I think if we get too detached from that, yes. um, then we, I don't know what we become. I mean, Hopefully. you could become psychotic, I think. You know, and Jack Canfield, 
Yeah, Jack Canfield has an entire book on this. It's called After the Ecstasy, Do the Laundry. Um, Mm -hmm. And he calls ecstasy what I call oneness. Um, And uh, yeah, so he he goes into that. But I love that you bring in the science of it. So I'm so excited to get to connect with you offline as well um, to kind of bring together this healer group, but also um, just to bounce ideas off of one another and, and pull together the scientific piece behind it too. And we might have to have them on the show, The Cope Project. The Cope Project. Yes. Yeah. I'll connect you there. They were phenomenal. That's she, amazing. The, the, the medium who's also, I believe she's a counselor now, a professional counselor. I mean, she's got spirit guides and it was just so funny to hear the psychiatrist and this medium together. Yeah. And she's talking about her spirit guides. Right. And he's like, <laughs> and this is at Yale, no less. Right. So this isn't it like it needs to be studied. It needs to be studied so that they can show that schizophrenia is different from mediumship, angel, you know, messaging, you know, pulling through messages as an intuitive. It's mm-hmm. a completely different thing. You know what? There's a part of my soul that is so happy about this too, because I got to tell you, and I think a lot of other healers out there listening can relate. There's always a part to healers that connects with all of the past crap we went through as a collective group, Mm. the burning at the stake, the getting locked up in the 1950s, you know, and prior. Um, So I'm really excited about this so that we can kind of have some science behind it. And I'll be all. And, and, you know, you had asked me kind of how you had started with how I ended up starting the podcast. Yeah. And I have to say it was, I was very nervous but it was, you know, that push, I kept getting that push, right? I kept getting the push. And many of my patients are referred from doctors at Northwestern. I mean, that's where I get a lot of my referral base. I'm in the city. When I first started practicing, I connected with primary care physicians. Um, and, and so when I started the podcast, I actually reached out to several of them and I said, hey, I just want to let you know I'm starting this podcast it might be a little bit out there. I recommend that you listen or at least know about it. In the event that you refer someone to me, they look me up and are like, who did you just send me to? You know, and, and I'm very clear in my clinical work. I don't, I don't mix the two in the way that uh, an intuitive would talk about their work. When I'm practicing with someone, do I use intuition? Sure. Do I talk about it in that way? No, right. right. Okay. I'm very. I I do traditional psychotherapy. Once in a while, I will have a patient's loved one come in because my patients now know. I will ask their permission. Are you okay if I share with you yes. some messages I'm getting if I get them? And so, but but not everyone. You know, n- there's a lot of people who this is not their thing, and it's not my responsibility to make it their thing at all. Yeah. You know? No, no. You actually don't have to bring anyone to it. My husband wasn't a believer for a long time. And I said, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'm talking to spirit. And they go, nothing. Let us bring him to to this. And they did. And when I got to that place internally, it wasn't my job to convince others that they had to believe this. That was when I was able to start that podcast. Ah. Oh. 
That's amazing, Amy. I'm just providing the information and people can do with it what they want. That's awesome. That's it. That's so awesome. Well, I wanted to connect with you. I'm so glad that we got to chat today. Tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. My website is dramyrobbins.com. I'm on Instagram at dramyrobbins. I'm also um, on podcasts, anywhere you can get your podcast, Life, Death, and the Space Between. And we're going to swap. So you're going to come talk to me actually on Monday. Um, We're recording on a Friday and we're going to chat about everything you're doing. So I'm so excited. And I know we're friends now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know spirit is just amazing. I love how they bring these friendships together. Thank you so much for the blessing of your time today and being here. Thank you, Julie. This was awesome. Beautiful soul. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Julie. You know, I'm all about connecting you with messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side. If you've been listening today and you're super excited and just have to know which angels are around you right now, who's connecting with you, and what messages they have for you, go to theangelmedium.com. Register for a session. You can do a reading with me or a member of my team. We're all incredible. We all talk to angels daily, and we can help you in making sure that your angels are doing the very best they can to support you and guide you to your best life. If this sounds like you, virtual sessions, they're only offered on my website. Sign up today. And if you're the person who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing all of your unique spiritual gifts, growing your intuition, starting your own healing business, you can sign up for my Angel Reiki School to become a certified angel messenger. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. You'll learn Reiki, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and how to get clients. That's the Angel Reiki School at theangelmedium.com or DM me on Instagram at angelpodcast with any questions. Before you go, connect with your angels by placing your hands on your heart. Take a deep breath. Imagine a doorway filled with God's unconditional love is right in front of you. Step into that love and feel it as it fills your body, chakras, and auric field. Now ask your angels, what would you have me know today? And open yourself to the positive, loving messages they have just for you.